Well, good morning and happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this weekend is the weekend where we recognize and honor all of those who have served in military service. And so really quick in the room, I'd just like anybody who has served um, in, in the military service, would you please stand to your feet? We just want to honor you this morning. Um, if you guys would stand to your feet. Okay. Anybody watching online? Okay, there we go. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. We thank you so much for what you have done. Uh, it means a lot. It means a lot. Well, today, um, again, my name is Brett Kinberg. I'm the Connections Pastor here. If I haven't met you or got to shake your hand yet, I'd love to do so after the gathering. Please catch me out in the lobby. Um, we want to let you know also that today, you probably noticed that when you walked in, you didn't get a handout. Um, we have taken all of our handouts and we've made them available online. So if you want to take notes, all you got to do is open the Church Center app and click on the notes tab. You can take notes that way. This way you can take your notes with you wherever you go. So if you're talking to a friend and you're like, I remember Brett said something over the weekend. I don't remember exactly what it was. You can open up your phone and pull up the notes and oh, that's what he said. That's right. We talked about Acts 1. Um, so if you would like to take notes that way you can do so. Um, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV today. So if you want to read along in that translation, you can open your Bible app. Can you read along with me? Today, we're going to be talking about Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look at what happens in the life of the church during transition. So if you would, please open your Bibles with me or your Bible app on your phone and turn over to Acts chapter 1. Again, I'm reading out of the NIV version, and I'm starting in verse 1. We're going to start from the very beginning of Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about what Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. Wow, sorry. <laughs> uh, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then, then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them, hid him from their sight. Let's pray this morning before we continue on. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to learn from your word this morning. God, I thank you that you're doing something significant in the lives of every person within the sound of my voice, whether they be here or watching online. God, I pray that you would do something in their life that their life would be marked by this day. God, I pray right now that Holy Spirit, you would, you would bless people this morning, that you would bring encouragement, that you would bring strength, comfort, and healing for those who are broken. 
Today we depend on you, Holy Spirit, to do the work that God would have done in the lives of every person in attendance today. God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we, as, as we join the story here, you can see this story kind of read out through all of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and in those, you see that Jesus is getting ready to transition. He's getting ready to go into heaven, as, as we read just at the end, where he's taken up into heaven out of their sight. And, and, and we find ourselves in a kind of similar position. Um, I'm, I'm not saying it's exactly the same because, you know, Jesus wasn't here walking among us. It was Pastor Aaron um, speaking by the power of the help of the Holy Spirit and, yes, representing Jesus in the room. But in this, we find ourselves in this transition time. And David Eddy, our, our regional associate district supervisor, uh, it's, it's kind of a long term, he's going to be speaking here in a few weeks, but he had lunch with the staff the other day, and we sat down, and, and he, he said, you know, I want to I I give you some encouragement, and I'd like to extend that encouragement to you guys today, and that is that God can do something in this season of the life of Red Hills Church that he couldn't do in any other season and that is, God wants to empower us. He wants to strengthen us. And I believe um, when, when I was listening to Pastor Aaron and Brienne making their announcement in early April, I was sitting in those seats right over there, and, and God put this scripture on my heart. He said, this is where you're at. This is the moment that you find yourselves in where, where Aaron is giving you the last words of encouragement that he's going to give before he leaves. And Aaron talked about it. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching a series called Invisible Prisons. It's probably the most important thing that God has ever given me to teach. And so he went through his series and, 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 and we got to be encouraged. We got to listen to what Aaron was saying. And all the way up until last week, Aaron was here to help us process through this transition. What David Eddy said about transition is it, is it comes in three parts. The first part is when the pastor says, hey, I'm leaving. God has called me to another area, and I will no longer be your lead pastor. And, and we've just come out of that, that part of transition. And now we're coming in to the second part of this transition, and that is where Aaron is no longer with us, and our new lead pastor has not been installed yet, and we find ourselves in this space in between. Reminds me of a song. Anyways, um, so as, as we find ourselves in this moment, in this transition, God wants to do something significant in our lives. It was the same thing that he wanted to do in the life of all of his disciples when he said, I'm getting ready to go. And in John, he said, it's better that I do go because then I can, I can send my helper. I can send the Holy Spirit. And in here, he referenced it. He said, John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in this, in this, in this moment in between, we have this great opportunity to gather together. But as we do that, I want to recognize the moment too, because I know that for a lot of you, who knew Aaron and Brienne well, this is a moment of sadness. It's a moment where, where our leaders, and, and I, had to, I had to recognize this myself while I was preparing for this message, I had to recognize that, that it affected me more than I thought it would. 
I'm, I'm a guy who likes to, like, you know, I'm, I'm spontaneous. So when something new comes, I'm like, all right, let's do it. I'm charged. I'm ready to go. And oftentimes, I don't take the moment to reflect on what God is doing. And because of that, I miss out on some of the healing that God has for me. But in this moment, as I was preparing for this message, I really felt sad. I had to acknowledge the moment that the person who had spoken into my life and said, I see something different in you. That person would no longer be speaking into my life on a weekly, weekly basis. It was sad. I, I, I think it affected me more than I expected it to because I was like, you know what, Aaron? I'm called to this place. I believe that God put me here. And so no matter where you're going, I'm strong and I'm good. It was one of the last meetings that I had with him. And, and I, I really did believe that. But what I wasn't recognizing was the fact that I was sad and I didn't want to face it. Maybe you're sad in here. Maybe you're just uncomfortable with transition. Maybe, maybe uncertainty is not your friend. A lot of us run from uncertainty. And, and even the disciples, I'm sure, they wanted to run from uncertainty. But in this place, I want to acknowledge that you're, you're going, what is happening next? I've, I've, I've had this question. I don't many. How many times have we had this question, Kate? Like, everybody walks up. Oh, so when's the new pastor coming in? Do you guys have anybody yet? God does. <laughs> and that's, that's our response. That's all we can say because right now, that's all we know. And as, as, as we go into this season, there's, there's uncertainty and maybe that makes you uncomfortable. But what Aaron said when he was leaving, and I, and, and I love this, this was in his last email. He said, please, I encourage you, stay plugged in in community. Because during this time of uncertainty, maybe sadness, maybe even depression, maybe you're going through things in your life where you're like, man, I am hurting and I am broken. This is the time to gather together, not to spread out. The enemy would love to pull you away from your community of faith. He would love to distract you from what God wants to do in this season. And he will do that if you don't stay connected. Wherever you guys go, stay connected. <laughs> as, 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 as you go, make sure that you're staying involved in that community of faith. Because God does something in a community that he can't do anywhere else. In Acts chapter 2, and I'm not going to read it, but in Acts chapter 2, it says that they were all gathered together in one place. There's something so significant about gathering together in one place. So again, I'm so grateful that you guys are here today. I believe God wants to do something. So if you're taking notes this morning, as we've kind of recognized the moment, as we kind of see what the disciples are talking about, I'd like to give you a little bit of the, the surrounding circumstances. The disciples just came through a very difficult season where Jesus was persecuted, he was crucified, and then he came back to life. So like they're on this roller coaster, right? And, and, and they're all standing there talking to Jesus, and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to go again. And they're, they're like, okay, sure, you went before, but you're back, and now you're teaching us, and you're going you're gonna to leave us again? Why would you leave us again? The disciples are all looking at what Jesus is doing, and Jesus said, hey, guys, I need you to stay together, and I need you to wait here in Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? 
Jerusalem was, was the place that Jesus was persecuted and crucified. Why, why, would, why would you have us stay here where literally our lives are being threatened because we're saying that you came back to life? And now all the Pharisees want to kill us. And you're telling us to stay here in the place of uncertainty, in the place of pain? I'm sure some of the disciples were probably even depressed. I, I, I could probably tell you that. Um, but in that, they, Jesus asked them, he said, I want you to stay connected in this place in Jerusalem. Why? Because I want to empower your life. Something so powerful about gathering together in that one place. If you're taking notes this morning, my first point is this, to wait. The, the title of my message is Wait and Pray. But the, the, the first point is wait. Jesus asked his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. And I think sometimes for us, like I said, I, I, I run from uncomfortable situations. I kind of push away on the pain of situations. But Jesus said, I want you to wait in this moment of pain because there's something I need to do inside of you. James, the brother of Jesus, said it this way. He said, count it all joy, brothers, when you're in trials and tribulation and places of pain, because in it, God is doing something in your life. And later on in that chapter, he begins to say, let patience have its perfect work in you. What does patience do? Patience says, it's painful. I'm uncertain about what the future holds, but I'm still going to stay in this moment because God has asked me to. And in this moment, as they, as they begin to wait, and, and, and I'm sure they were freaking out a little bit. I, I would have been. But they're, they're staying in this moment, and they're going, okay, God, what do we do next? What's next? I'm, I'm a what's next guy. I'm like, okay, God, I'm here. I'm waiting. I'm staying in what you've called me to do, but what's next? They even said it to Jesus when he said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. They said, at this point in time, God, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I was, I was talking about the history a little bit around this. So all of the Jewish people knew that God had prophesied that he would restore his kingdom to earth and he would do it in Jerusalem. And so they're all standing there going, oh, this is what Jesus is talking about. He's going to empower us. We're going to rule and reign. And we're going to be in a seat of power and authority again. That's what he's trying to tell us. And Jesus had to say, hold on, guys. You've got the picture wrong. Let me help you focus in a little bit. As, as he went on to say, he said, it is not for you to know the dates or the times that my father has set by his own authority. It's not for you to know when the pastor is going to be installed at Red Hills Church. It is for you to wait and to pray. Jesus had, had shown his disciples how to properly wait when they were with him in the garden. You see, Jesus had taken his disciples with him into the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified. And he, he, he took some of them with him out into a really secluded place. And he said, I want you to wait here with me. Could you wait with me a couple hours? Right? And, and what did they see? When Jesus said, wait, what did he do? He prayed. And so they're, they're sitting here going, okay, 
if God is not going to restore the kingdom right now, or he's going to do it in his own timing, and it's not for us to know what's going to happen. Jesus told them this, I will empower you when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then he reframed it. He said, it's not about you. When you wait, get your focus off of yourself. Start asking me what I want to do. This is, this is a critical point in this waiting point or in this waiting situation that we all find ourselves in. Okay, God, what are you going to do next at Red Hills Church? What's, what, what pastor do you have next? It's not for you to know right now. I just want you to wait. I want you to gather together in community. What does that look like? For us, practically, what does that look like? That means come, come to gatherings when you're not out of town on vacation because it's summer and you should do that. Um, but, you know, stay in community. Tribes are, tribes are coming to an end right now, and we're, we're finishing our spring session. And those relationships that you have formed, don't run from them and forget all about the relationships that you've built, but lean into them. Lean into the relationships that God is building on dream teams. Get involved, get plugged in on the weekends, and, and, and do something to get together with other believers. We've got next steps on the first and the third Sundays of every month. Sorry, first and third Sundays of every month. One, two. And, and, and one of the best ways for you to get connected and surround yourself in community is to join a dream team. Next steps is all about you discovering the purposes and the plans that God has on the inside of you. But in that, Jesus told them, he said, wait, and I will empower you. Why was he empowering them? This is, this is where my next point comes in. Jesus said to wait in the place of pain and pray. If you're taking notes, my second point is pray. Jesus, Jesus was the example of what we were to do when we're waiting, and that was pray. And as the disciples heard him say, wait, they understood, oh, wait and pray. This is how we wait properly is we begin to pray. Why is it so important that we begin to pray in this season that we're in? Because prayer does a few things in the life of every believer. The first thing that it does is it, it helps take our focus away from ourselves. And if, if, if you're taking notes, this is the first little line under there. Prayer helps us take our focus away from ourselves. Why is it important that we do that? Because God said, I want to empower you. I want to do something amazing in your life, but it's not just for you. It's to impact the world around you. What did he say? He said, I will, you, but when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, when he comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Why is it important that he talked about these four, these four places? Ju in Jerusalem, of course, the place of your pain, it's also the place where, where your neighbors live. It's your home. It's in, it's in the close places of community. God wants to begin to work not only in your life because you start to get your focus off of yourself. God then allows you to begin to impact the lives of those people right around you. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your friends. But that empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not just for you. It's for you to bring peace 
to those people around you. And in, and in Jerusalem was, was in Judea, and Judea is the, the, the region that Jerusalem or that the Jewish people called their nation and their home. And as it expands from there to Samaria, which are those people who are diametrically opposed to you. What, what, what do I mean? These are the people that don't agree with you. These are the people in our communities that, that have different opinions than you do. How do I witness? How, God, how do you empower me to be a witness to those people that I frankly don't understand? Those people who have thoughts that are so different from mine that I, I have a hard time relating with them. I can't relate with everybody in this town, but when God brings power into my life, what happens? He can give me understanding. He can even show me pictures of what's going on in these other people's life. You see, prayer takes our focus away from ourselves. And the second thing that prayer does in our lives is prayer allows us to focus our attention on God. And after, after we, we go, okay, God, you want to do something in my life in this season you want to empower my life. Okay, I, I recognize that I'm in the place of pain and it's uncomfortable, so I'm going to start to pray and I'm going to get my focus off of myself. And then I begin to understand, God, what do you want? You see, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. He, he said, you should pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven. So first off, we're acknowledging that God is our Father and he's got plans, right? He said, you don't need to know the dates or the times that the Father has chosen by his own authority. So, okay, you're my parent. I get that. I don't understand what you're doing all the time, but I trust you. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name, or hallowed is your name. That, that word holy in, in, in the Hebrew context was kadesh. It was different. It was separate. It was other. It was set apart. God, you do things differently than I do. I don't understand sometimes why you're doing what you're doing or how you're going to do what you're doing, but I trust you that you are doing something. So, so as, we, as we enter into prayer, our Father who, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This prayer is not about ourselves. You see that? We're focusing our attention on God. Why? So we can get our perspective correct. When the disciples all said, are you going to put us back into a place of authority and power? Jesus said, my spirit empowering you is not for you to rule right now. My father will establish that on his own time. You just need to be my witnesses. You need to take that power of the Holy Spirit and begin to talk to those people around you, your family, your friends, your neighbors, those that don't agree with you. I want you to talk with them. It's uncomfortable, yes. It's painful sometimes, absolutely. But I want you to have a conversation that makes you uncomfortable. And I will empower you by my spirit to do that. The third thing that prayer does in our lives is it allows God to show us what's next. And this is where we all want to be, right? We all want to know, okay, God, what's next? Who's the guy? Who's, who's, who's the next pastor? Who's the next person? What's next, God? God will eventually show you what is to come. 
but you have to trust him in the process. First, you have to get your attention off of yourself. You have to focus your attention on what God wants to do, and then God will start to order your steps. In Psalms, it says that he's a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. What does that mean? Sometimes we just got to take the next step. Aaron laid out the next step for us as a church. Stay connected. Stay in community. Do life together. Don't do it separate. Jesus told his disciples, gather in Jerusalem, and they did so in one place. One mind, one accord. They begin to pray. They begin to ask God, we know that you have something next for us, and that is power. <laughs> my, next, my next point in this, and, and, and really where I'm going to begin to start wrapping this up, is we are to wait and to pray but ultimately, that is to receive the power that God has promised. And that power is the gift of his Holy Spirit. When God begins to empower our lives by the Holy Spirit, I, I love what happened in Acts chapter 2. I, I, I begin reading through some of these commentaries. The Holy Spirit rested on everyone, and there was a tongue of flame on each individual. There was an importance to this tongue of flame that we look at, because in Hebrew culture, when, power, when the power of God would, would come on someone, a lot of times there was, there was flames involved. Burning bush, you know, you see some of these other things. The prophets, they would call down fire from heaven. And, and God would empower specific individuals, but he wouldn't do it permanently. He would empower them for a specific time or a specific task. But, but in, this, in this moment when they were all gathered together and Jesus said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and power, the, these tongues of fire rested on each and every individual in the room. What did that mean? That meant God was empowering everyone, not just one, but everyone. God wants to empower you to make a difference in this community, not Aaron, not the staff of the church. God wants to empower you to go out and make a difference in the world around you. And that power, <laughs> that power is not just for you to be self-important and to rule and to reign. No, that power is for you to look outside of yourself because sometimes it's so hard for us to do that when we're in the midst of pain. I think sometimes the hardest thing to do is when we're in pain is to ignore the pain and say, okay, God, I don't like this. I'm sad. I'm broken. What do you want to do? Can you get me past my own pain so that I can help someone else in this moment? See, God had to do that in me because the more I studied, the more I started recognizing, man, this is a different season. I don't have that same leader speaking into my life. I don't have that person who took me out to lunch and said, there's something different about you. Oh yeah, I see something. There's something different in you. That person is no longer here. Now, yeah, we can lean on each other in community. We can see that. But I began to get sad and I was like, God, why am I getting sad? I'm preparing for a message. I'm going to share hope with the world, right? <laughs> why am I so sad? He said, because if you will learn to get past your own pain, then you can make a difference in the world around you. And I will heal you along the way. 
God will bring comfort. Do you know that the Holy Spirit, he's known as the comforter, the helper, the teacher. When you're uncertain about what is coming next, there's a scripture that says he is even able to show you those things to come. He's able to warn you. He's able to give you insight into what's next in your life. The power of the Holy Spirit is available for every single person in this room. I'd like to read something from, from my Bible. I, I found it in the margins and, and I thought it was so encouraging for the moment that we're in right now. It was talking, it's talking about Acts chapter one, verse eight, and it's, and, and it's just titled, Empowered by God. And it says this, that one of the most common excuses for not becoming a Christian is the fear of failure to live the Christian life. Besides overlooking the fact that people cannot be saved on the basis of good works, you can read that in Titus 3, 5, this objection neglects the truth that God provides the power to live the Christian life. Before Christ was crucified, he promised the coming of the Holy Spirit to help believers. We see that in John 16. And the subsequent events in the book of Acts supply ample evidence of the fulfillment of this prophecy. The power of the Holy Spirit was not designed solely for the first century church. Rather, all Christians are indwelled by the Holy Spirit and thus have his power available. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6.19 shows us this. However, the living... Sorry, however, living the Christian life under the Spirit's power must not be thought of as simply allowing the Spirit to take control while the believer does nothing. Believers must still live the Christian life, though they do it through the Spirit's power. Romans 8.13 says this, If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. It is you who are put to put to death the sinful deeds of the body, but you do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christians who struggle in their own strength to live the Christian life will fail. They must by faith appropriate daily power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 4 through 5 says this. And described practically, this means that believers trust the Spirit to empower them in specific instances, such as sharing their faith with others, resisting temptation, being faithful, and so on. There is no secret formula that makes the Spirit's power available. It is simply the reliance on the Spirit to help. Jesus said, I want to empower. In a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. John baptized in water. And a lot of people have been baptized in this tank underneath my feet. But God wants to go one step beyond that and empower your life. I'd like everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. The first thing that we have to acknowledge is that Jesus is our Lord and he's our Savior. Salvation is simply this. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you shall be saved. 
And in that moment, our spirit man is recreated. But beyond that, God wants to begin to empower us. And this morning, I I really believe that God wants to pour out his spirit afresh and anew on those people in this room. And whether you've, whether you've received this gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's called, whether you've received that before or not, doesn't make a difference. Today, God wants to do something new on the inside of you. And if you're believing to pray in tongues, great, pray in tongues. If you're believing for God to empower you so you can be a witness to the world around you, that is his promise. If you need the helper, if you need the counselor, if you need the teacher, God wants to give that to you this morning. The song that we're going to sing here in just a moment says, pour your spirit out. That's my prayer this morning, is that you would receive the Holy Spirit in a new and in a fresh way. Why do I sound emotional? Why, why, why am I so emotional in this moment? Because I understand the power of the Holy Spirit and what he can do in your life. Yes, he empowers you to be a witness, but while you're doing it, there's something so amazing that happens on the inside. Understanding joy. Look at the fruits of the Spirit. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you begin to operate in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And in that, you begin to show hope to a world around you that's lost and dying. If you would, I would like everyone in the room to go ahead and stand to their feet. I'm going to pray for everyone in here because I truly believe that everyone needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in a new and in a fresh way. Father God, thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is powerful, that in this moment, your word, (laughs) your word is Kadesh. It's different. It's separate. It's other. It's set apart, God, as something different in our lives something different than how we think currently, something different than what we might have expected when we walked in the doors this morning or turned on our computers to watch online. God, we understand that you want to do something different in our lives. And this morning, I'm asking you, would you pour out your spirit? Would you do it in a fresh way and in a new way on us today? God, we pray all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen.